All right. It's 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Another week. Another week in Hedera, HBAR, Hashgraph, all of the H things. And it's been an interesting week. Um, it's funny because I usually put the kind of summary thread rundown of the news together on like, you know, Friday night and Saturday morning and get it up by noon on Saturday and stuff. And it was one of those weeks where today I found myself like adding a bunch of items to the thread randomly as, um, as kind of the day rolled on. There was a bunch of stuff that went live today, a bunch of chatter about different things. Um, so yeah, part of the reason I do this on Sunday is because I feel like things kind of go a little bit quiet leading up into the week, but no Sunday, this, I, I was adding things to the news thread, um, felt like right up until I was going live, making a couple notes here. Um, and things are still chooching along. I mean, things haven't really slowed down. I mean, we can talk about some numbers, um, but I mean, right now, it was for a bit there, it was looking like the crypto space overall was pretty committed to it being a bear market. Now, I don't really know what the sentiment is. People, you know, we had a little bit of a of a ramp up there. We cooled down. We didn't see new lows. So it's kind of 50-50 again of, of what's going on. Now, I don't think anyone's thinking that we're going to see a massive move up or anything like that. I think more what it's about is, are we going to overtake some of those recent supports? Are we going to find new ground? And, you know, it, all I'll say is it's a little, little less... Uh, a little more optimistic than was a couple weeks ago, which is cool. But again, you never know. Um, and we got a cool show today. Um, we're going to have Tyler, CTO of Hashpack, on to talk about ledger staking. We got a bunch of news to talk about. Um, we just had some stuff break in regards to kind of Ashfall and a and a, and a TikTok influencer with video games and comics and all sorts of stuff. Um, we also had some interesting insights shared um, just about some things that popped up about Davos and also uh, payments in Australia, Hedera taking over, the payment rails of Australia. What's going on there? Well, we'll find out. There's a bunch of other stuff. So, we got a lot to dive into, so good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, artist, and creative agency owner at Dirksen and Davenport Incorporated. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast, and I created this Twitter community and weekly spaces, so we've got our own spot to stay up to date, get connected, share knowledge and insights. One quick note on the Twitter community, I've noticed that Twitter communities overall, there's been a ton of spam a lot of people sharing some fun news about some kind of, I don't know, online store or something. Um, and I don't know if those people are real. I don't know if the online store is real. Uh, but what I do know is it's spam. So what I've done is on the Twitter community, I've just um, made it so if you join the Twitter community, I or one of the moderators will get you approved within you know a day or two. It sucks, but it's going to keep it a lot cleaner. It's going to keep it uh, you know low noise. We've got some folks from Swirls in there who are moderators, so... It's all gravy. It's all good. Just know that going forward, when you join, 
You might have to wait a little bit before you get in, but once you're in, you're in. And welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 62, Ledger is Coming. It's coming, folks, where we talk about the top stories covering everything related to HBAR and Hedera Hashgraph every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific time, this time, this day, every week. This is a top-level overview of the week's news, and you can check out the thread pinned to the top of the spaces uh, to take a deeper dive into each story. Also, click the little comment button in the bottom right. You can leave a comment. I'll see it. If there's some breaking news or something interesting I should mention, let me know. Um, and also share the spaces. The more the merrier. Let's get tuned in. Let's get plugged in. And also, too, um, the show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands. I continue to invest the time needed to bring value to the expanding Hedera community, and we'll always do this. I love doing this. But if you'd like to support the show, you can send an HBAR donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. If the community wants this show to go to another level, we can do it together. That's enthusiast.hbar. I really appreciate your support. Um, let's talk about some stuff happening on the old hash graph here. We'll look at prices, but also I want to look at um, the actual mainnet about what's happening because we saw something interesting happen um, on the 27th, which was Friday, that I wanted to just quickly highlight. So as most folks are familiar, we saw TPS, that's transactions per second, rise to well over 500, which was great. We had a dip down um, as we you know, approached the second half of January to about 350, 300, which was, you know, there was a few different reasons for that. One was um, Swirls reworked the gossip algorithm, not the gossip, not the gossip about gossip algorithm, just the gossip algorithm. And we saw a heightened volatility in, in time to finality. And time to finality is how long does it take for a transaction to reach finality? And they kind of went, ah, we need to rework that a bit. They flipped it back, and we saw TPS go back up to well over 500, approaching 600 average. And basically, as we know, the use case that's driving this TPS is Atma.io from Governing Council member Avery Dennison. And their use case, um, as, as, as I understand, uses the time to finality number to kind of um, – govern throughput. So as time to finale goes up, their throughput goes down. There is some kind of relation to that for their use case in particular. Um, but on the 27th um, at, I don't know what time zone this is at, maybe it's GMT or UT UTC, but at a particular time, uh, 1600, we saw the TPS go from an average of, you know, 550 down to about 300. And at the same time, uh, at that exact kind of window of time, we saw a spike in time to finality up to nine seconds, then right back down. Um, so something obviously happened um, on the 27th, and we continue to see the network uh, churn away at just over 300 TPS. Um, time for, to finality is still under four and a half seconds. So, um, you, know, it, you know, it looks... Okay, it looks like things are, are going okay, but we obviously have a reduction um, in TPS over the past, I'd say, 48 hours. So something to keep an eye on, uh, but you know, at the same time, I'm not going to turn my nose up at 300 TPS. It's great. Now, one thing we did see is 
the number of accounts at about, again, I don't know what time zone the Metrica dashboard is in. doesn't tell us. But a couple hours ago, maybe about, uh, what would it be? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. About eight hours ago, we saw the accounts created per hour go from about 150 to about mm, 1,200, 1,500, which is quite a sizable increase. Um, and we can pretty much say this is most likely due to the launch of the Ashfall comic NFTs, which we'll talk about later. Um, now, are those NFTs being created? Are those actual user accounts being created? I don't know. Um, if you if they are, you know, actual user accounts being created, that's 1,200 per hour. That's pretty great. That puts us at just over 1.6 million total accounts. Um, on the network, and I did do a poll asking the community, um, how long till we hit 2 million Hedera mainnet accounts? One month, two months, three months? Um, what about over 40% said one month, which is, I think, you know, maybe doable. Two months, 30%. So um, if, if we're going from 150 accounts created per hour to like 1,200 or 1,500, yeah, you could, you could safely say that. But um, you know, I think that, yeah, there's a good chance within the next 30 or 60 days we could hit 2 million accounts. And I know that that's a major KPI for Hedera um, and the network. So that's pretty big. Now, let's take a quick look at what's going on with HBAR, what's going on with some of these other HTS assets, these Hedera token service assets. Um, so, yeah, if we look at HBAR, obviously for a while there, um, if we go back to kind of mid early January, yeah, early January, you know, down that, in that sub four cents area, obviously not super duper duper great. Um, but you know, if we're establishing a floor, if the quote bottom was in, who knows? Um, but we did alongside Bitcoin, see a, a walk up from that again, sub four cent area all the way up. We touched just about eight cents. Um, which is obviously a substantial rise. And now we're testing that previous six cent floor. We have an established floor um, of about six cents. Um, and that goes back to, geez, that goes back to May, 2022. And that was a floor. We flipped that to resistance um, in the fall. So that's really when we look at the price action of HBAR, on the upside, that's really what we're looking for is we're looking to flip that six cents back to support. We tested it once. Are we going to test it again? Um, we'll have to see. But I mean, at the same time, we also have to keep in mind that we're just going to follow Bitcoin, right? And Bitcoin is generally just going to follow the S&P 500. Um, so everything's so intertwined right now. Um, but we are seeing, you know, very recently some strong moves to the upside, Um is this a retest? People have called this a bull flag, all these different types of things. It's, it's really, really hard to say. Um, there's not a lot of testing of support and we're seeing continued moves to the upside. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, in my mind, I'm just sticking a dollar cost averaging. But that brings us to the next thing. This is the really interesting thing when we look at uh, the price of assets and stuff like that. And again, you know, this isn't financial advice. What you're trying to do is buy things that are good products that you believe in, good services, good technologies that you believe in at a good price. 
That's all you can do. Um, but if we look at the uh, saucer swap analytics page, the price action over 24 hours for some of these HTS assets, um, we've got sauce up 4.2%, actually 4.20%. Nice. Head starter up five and a half percent. We've got um, lucky token up three and a half percent. We got galaxy up 4.2%. We got staters token up 5%. We got Dovu up six and a half percent. We got jam just pretty much up not even a percent. HBAR suite down 2%. Um, so, you know, those are the ones of note. And, you know, I think that it's a very interesting time. I'm noticing a lot of conversation around some of these HTS assets, some of these lower market cap um, coins. And it's going to be really, really interesting to see, um, you know, what's going on. Because when you really think about it, these are the things that could potentially attract some attention. Of course, of course, we always talk about the next bull run being driven by utility. HBAR seems like it fits the bill pretty well. We'll have to see. Who knows when that bull run is going to be? Could be this year. Who knows? But also, it's interesting because a lot of these HTS assets, from a technical standpoint, act in the same ways an HBAR does. They don't require you know, a smart contract per se. They could potentially be very appealing. Um, so there's all of these different factors that come into play. Um, and we look at the fundamentals of the network. They've changed quite a bit. So we are really dealing with kind of a new situation in HBAR world. And we're really seeing that because a lot of the ways that folks outside of our little hash graph bubble look at the network has changed as well. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But it's less and less ignored, right? It's a little more noisy. Um, so that's just kind of top of mind for me. And I mean, again, I'm not going to go into a bunch of stuff when it comes to price and everything like that. We're not seeing a whole lot. Um, we are seeing, again, some of these HT assets make some interesting moves. HBAR is rocking and rolling with Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, just the best thing you can do is just kind of keep an eye on it and keep, you know, look at that six cent level. If you're watching HBAR price, does that flip to support? That would be really great if it did. If it doesn't, then we'll have to take a bit of a closer look to see what's going on. Um, but I don't want to delay this. Um, this is a big story. It's something that we've been waiting on for a long time. Um, I feel like, um, you know, when I look at this, I often see the same thing when it came to Coinbase happening with this now, where we see people tweeting every single day asking for um, Ledger to support, um, you know, HBAR staking. It's a big thing. You know, I know a lot of people with hardware wallets um, and specifically Ledger. And the 6.5%, whatever it is, APY on native staking on Hedera is really, really appealing for a lot of people. I'm going to have the CTO of Hashpack, um, Tyler, pop up here. But um, it's it's really a top of mind for the whole community because it really hits at the core. We'll talk a little bit about how staking on Hedera is, is really different from other networks. 
Um, we'll talk a little bit about what, what Hashpack is working on in some other areas, but we'll focus on um, where we've been with staking via Ledger devices um, on Hedera, why it's important, and what could be happening over the next two months. Um, and, I mean, most folks are familiar with Hashpack, um, but if you're new to the space, um, I'm going to introduce you to Tyler. So a well-known HBAR community member, Tyler is the CTO of Hashpack and is responsible for quite a few user experience innovations in the Hedera ecosystem and the broader Web3 industry. He, along with May and the rest of the Hashpack team, have been busy since their launch over a year ago. Here's a quick recap. Since going live, they've empowered the NFT ecosystem with Secure Trade, supercharged ecosystem development with HashConnect, helped spearhead efforts for HIP 412 NFT metadata standards, worked with LG, received a grant from the HBAR Foundation, collaborated with SaucerSwap, Hashport, and Stator Labs on DeFi, added support for native staking, launched their Android app, added in wallet token swaps, launched a new DAP browser, finally announced a new iPhone app, and most recently supported email logons, which we'll talk a little bit about. And then heading into 2023, obviously a major focus for them is this ledger staking stuff. And it's really the most requested feature in the Hedera community. It's been a long road, but with recent news, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And today we're going to unpack a little bit about this. So, uh, Tyler, I'm really, you know, I haven't, it's been 62 episodes. I don't think I've had um, Hashpack on the show yet as a guest, which is kind of surprising, but it's so awesome to have you here. We've spoken in the past, but we haven't really had a chance to kind of unpack some of this awesome stuff you guys are working on. Um, how are you doing? It's Sunday. We're getting ready for another week. What's new? Hey, man. Uh, nice to be here. Uh, big big fan of the show, so it's uh, exciting to actually get to be on here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of unpacking all this, this staking stuff. And uh, yeah, looking forward Love to it. it. It's like a long-time listener, first-time caller. I dig it. Um, so obviously at the top of the show, I was talking about TPS and all these different things going on with the network. I'm As the CTO of Hashpack, you're definitely in the eye of the storm. I'm really interested to know what are your thoughts on the massive shift in TPS and the response from the folks outside the Hedera community? Because I know that, um, and this was something that I was going to talk about later, but maybe we can unpack it a little bit. You know, we've seen people from, you know, Reddit to GitHub to all sorts of different areas, Twitter talking about how some of these transact or, you know, over 90% of these transactions on the network are the Hedera consensus service they maybe don't understand that they're actual crypto transactions and not just something um, that you could compare to Solana. And we've seen these discussions of, in, uh, you know, evolve. So it's kind of curious of like, what, you know, what's your thoughts and excitement around these fundamental changes of the network? And maybe do you have any takes on these conversations happening um, outside the community, kind of looking at the network from the outside in? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that it, it's kind of just a misunderstanding for the most part on on kind of the people criticizing the the TPS being mostly consensus messages. Like if if you do just a little bit of reading, it becomes pretty obvious that it's it's not consensus in the same way that other kind of contexts like that word mean stuff um, and. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great that the kind of mythical step function is is starting to materialize here. And uh, yeah, I think it's long overdue. And uh, 
people seem to be either extremely excited about it or extremely critical of it. So yeah, it's, it's interesting times, but it's only going to get better. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, uh, I think we're realizing more and more as a community that hash graph as a technology really is a pretty disruptive technology. So, um, you know, with disruptive technologies, it's like you can love it or hate it, but you can't really ignore it. So we've got people's attention um, for better, or for worse. So we're, we're entering kind of into a new phase. Um, and like you said, I mean, hopefully people kind of load up YouTube, crack a book, learn a little bit about what's going on and maybe kind of go, oh, this is interesting. And I, I think we're starting to see a little bit about that. But um, I want to kind of really dive into what we're here to talk about, which is staking um, you know, ledger, all these different types of things people are talking about, but maybe, um, just to kind of kick things off with this discussion, like, you know, staking on the Hedera network is very different from, from other networks and what people are used to. I was, I was curious to know, like, um, maybe you could explain to people maybe listening that are new to Hedera, the network, um, you know, how staking is different on this network in comparison to, you know, other L1s? Yes, sure. Um, I, I'm not 100% familiar with staking on a whole lot of other other kind of chains. Um, I'm pretty like Hedera first. Um, but in, in general, so staking is like, it's an account level setting, like it's a network level feature. And so... What that means is that you choose the node that you want to stake your account to, and then every 24 hours you get rewards. Um, and that's that's basically it. You just click it and it's done. Um, the your H bars are not locked up. They're not, you know, like you're they're fully available at all times. And anytime you send. Uh, or send HBAR to or from your account, it uh, updates that staking balance automatically. So that, that's a pretty big question I get a lot is like, I sent some, how do I stake it? And the answer is it's just automatically done. Um, you get, at, at the moment, it's about six, six and a half percent a year. Um, I believe that eventually that will change depending on like the node that you're staked to it's um like uptime and stuff so it kind of incentivizes uh nodes to be like healthy as much as possible um and yeah i mean it, it's a pretty straightforward system once you kind of wrap your head around it but uh yeah yeah that's a great that's a great explanation it's it's not really staking your h bar it's just staking your account um, also too, John, I see you down there. I'll bring you up shortly to talk about, um, some ISO 2022 stuff. Um, but here's where we get into ledger stuff. So, you know, as Tyler was talking about, you stake your Hedera account, kind of set it and forget it. And you have to do this with a hot wallet, right? Which is the Chrome extension, the web app, the iOS app, the Android app. Um, and for many folks in the, um, crypto space that need that higher level of security, the first step is obviously you get a cold wallet or a hardware wallet, like, you know, a ledger. And that's probably where most people would store their biggest, you know, stack, their biggest bag of HBAR. And unfortunately, people can't stake the HBAR 
in a hash pack that's using Ledger currently. And a lot of people have been tweeting about this and all these different types of things. Um, and I think that there is some confusion about how it's implemented. I know that you can do it via Ledger on other networks and those different types of things. So maybe Tyler, you know, when Hedera launched staking, obviously you guys had it supported in your wallet, but obviously it, it takes companies, uh, you know, third-party companies time to uh, integrate these types of things. But we've also seen a delay in Hedera getting listed on Coinbase or all these different types of things. So I think my question is, is it a situation where a hash graph is so different from a blockchain that implementing this network's features into applications and, and hardware that traditionally would use blockchain networks or stuff like that? Like, is that an element to this or is it just a case of, you know, Hedera is not an incredibly popular network yet and it's not a massive priority. So things just kind of take time. I'm, I'm curious of like how much of it is kind of a technical learning curve versus just, you know, what's the most popular one that we're going to build in. Yeah. So, so it's kind of an interesting question. Um, it's, it's sort of all of the above. Um, so let me kind of set set the stage for for what the exact situation is. So so the ledger device is it's it's like a USB stick, right? It has software running on it that Ledger made. Um, but the the applications that run on top of Ledger for these specific blockchains are not necessarily themselves made by Ledger. So. Um, like the Hedera app on Ledger, for example, is is not made by Ledger. It's it's made by uh, Launch Badge, which is a, a contracting company that Hedera has hired to to make this this Hedera application on the Ledger device. Um, they're also responsible for the JavaScript uh, SDK, and so it's it's not necessarily even Ledger. That's, that's dragging the ball on this. Um, it just took a while to kind of get the work done uh, in the Hedera application on Ledger to enable this stuff. Um, and the reason for that is kind of, like you said, it, it's, it's not a typical kind of blockchain. Like it's not just a smart contract. Like n not everything is a smart contract, right? So it's, it's kind of, Again, I'm I'm not the one kind of working on this, so I, I my details are a bit fuzzy. But um, yeah, I think it just takes more work to implement these things, and uh, like they've been working on this since kind of before staking was public. So like it's it's been on it's been in progress for a while. Um, it just it, it it moves slow essentially. Yeah, right. So that makes more sense, and maybe I and some other people have kind of oversimplified the situation where how I've been viewing it is, okay, we've got Hedera, we've got Ledger, and there's apps on our network like Hashpack that want to use the hardware more extensively, and Ledger and Hedera have to kind of get things worked out and all these different types of things. But really what it's about is there's, you know, there's third-party contractors um, there's all these other folks involved where they kind of all have to work together. They have their own timelines and things just kind of have to sync up and they kind of take time. And that's really interesting what you said about this being, you know, 
they've started working on this before staking went live. So, um, and also too, I have to say that Ledger has been very, you know, as vocal as they can be about this, responding to people's inquiries on Twitter and all these different types of things, letting people know what's going on. Um, and so with your most recent update through Hashpack, um, well, I don't mean like updates the app, but just update on Twitter. You've mentioned that this functionality should be coming in about two months. You guys have completed the work that you need. And not only are people going to be able to stake um, their HBAR in the way that they're used to, like you said, but also it's going to add support for HTS tokens, like the ones that we talked about uh, that I was talking about earlier, and also NFTs. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, what kind of other functionality you guys are going to bring to ledger devices um, once things kind of get underway. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, basically the, so there's a, about three types of transactions that are going to be uh, supported with the next update. So it'll be token associate, token disassociate, and account update. And uh, the, the account update one is, is what is required for staking uh, since, since you're staking your account to a node. Um, and so with that, uh, like NFTs are, are tokens. So you'll be able to associate NFT tokens and uh, send and receive them from your ledger. Um, just as a kind of caveat to this. Um, so you, you won't be able to sign smart contracts or... So, like, you won't be able to, like, swap stuff directly from your ledger. Um, you won't be able to, like, list stuff on, on Zeus, for example, since that requires a uh, token allowance transaction, which I don't think is being included in this. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the high level of what's going on. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. So really this is just this is le- like we took a baby step with you know getting support for h4 and ledger now we're taking another step but there's still a way to go but what we've asked for is staking and we're going to get a couple little extra goodies which is cool and this brings me to my next question i don't know what exact transactions secure trade uses but would secure trade be something that would be supported um, on a ledger device using Hashpack? That's a great question. Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I'd have to test it. I don't think so, but maybe like a 10% chance. Maybe. You heard it here first, folks. We've got a 10% chance we're going to have ledger um, secure trades. It was just something I thought of. I was like, I wonder what kind of transaction secure trade uses. Maybe it'd be possible. So that'd be really interesting to see, but um, definitely not something promised from you guys. I just pulled it out of my ass. So um, very, it was kind of interesting. But here's, a, here's another question on this. Because now, like, when we get to the, you know, when we get past these two months, it goes live, everyone's happy, hip, hip, hooray. What do I do as a user? Is it a situation where, A, I log into my hash pack that's using my ledger and it just looks different, right? I no longer have the red text that says NFTs aren't supported. And I just kind of continue using it as usual and things just work and I can stake and everything's fine. Is there any action that's going to be needed on the user's part? Um, any kind of updates to their account that they're going to have to make? Or will it just, or, or will they have to update their ledger device, the, the Hedera app on the ledger device? I'm curious to see if you guys have any clarity on what 
steps, if any, users are going to have to take when this comes into effect? Uh, yeah, you'll you'll likely have to update the firmware on your ledger device. Um, yeah, you'll have to do that, um, or possibly just the Hedera app on there. Um, and then once you do that, um, everything should just uh, work once you log into Hashpack with your ledger. Um, there, there may be a couple other things that need to be dis- disabled, like like secure trade or um, you know whatever else we kind of find when we're testing and, and unblock these UIs. Um, but it should be pretty seamless. Um, yeah. Pretty okay, seamless. so that's what you're saying is. If there's anything required, it should be updating the Hedera app on the ledger, maybe, maybe updating the firmware. And but on Hashpack side, it's really just essentially front end updates for you guys. There's nothing really that anyone's gonna have to do in their hashpack wallet. Correct. Yeah, you'll just have to get the latest update from right. Hashpack too. Yeah. Okay, cool. That that's awesome. Okay. So um I get like, that's kind of, you know, that's staking. I mean, it sounds like we're going to, we're going to need those two months for you guys to figure out actually what's possible with this update from ledger and what you can do with these, with these three transaction types um, and understand what some, you know, future roadmap items could be, but it seems pretty straightforward. It seems like unpacking this is just kind of, we're getting staking, we're getting a couple of extra goodies um, you're not going to have to do a whole lot to make it work. And that's really cool. So I'm excited about that. Now, I want to move on to something else because this is this is a, a big thing that I don't think can be overshadowed is something I brought up when I was introing you was secure trade. Um, I think secure trade is like a really integral part of, you know, the NFT space. And I know that you guys are going to be coming out with secure trade um, 2.0. And I know that currently secure trade is great because you can transfer um, NFTs for HBAR, which is great. Obviously, we have room to grow. So I'm curious with the new version of secure trade. I've seen some updates about it, but I want to maybe give you a chance to maybe intro secure trade too um, and what people might be able uh, to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So for those unaware, secure trade is a... uh... It's, it's essentially a multi-sig uh, asset transfer. So uh, you you say, I want to trade this NFT for X amount of HBAR. Uh, it gives you a code. You give that code to somebody else. They input it, and they say, yep, I agree to this. Um, and then it does the trade. It's called an atomic swap, uh, which means uh, multi-assets being swapped in a single transaction. Um, so this this kind of came about from just seeing people get getting like ripped off by by people for they were like send me this nft i'll send you this much h bar and then they just never sent the h bar which is is not uh, really in the spirit of uh, trustlessness um so right now secure trade is just nft for h bar um we're working on kind of expanding that to just be like a, a free-for-all of asset types so you know, tokens, NFTs, HBARs, any combination to from, doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, that's that's where we're going. Um, it's it's mostly done. Um, like I'd say, like ninety percent done. Um, 
just have to the, the the thing with Hedera is is all these um, royalties that are built into the to the chain and just parsing them is a real pain. So we're just making sure we get that all right so that uh, users don't see like get get surprised by like a ten percent royalty on this trade. Like we want to display every single fee involved in the process so so people know what they're agreeing to. Right, that makes sense. Now. Let me th- – because, again, secure trade is so important to our ecosystem and community, and I think that expanding it in this way is going to be huge. And I wanted to run maybe a, f- a few examples by you of what a new secure trade could look like. So, for example, if I have an NFT now, I can only kind of ask for HBAR. But what if I – you know, with the new version of secure trade, would I be able to do something like offer an NFT and ask for – some sauce token, some Dovu token, and some US, USDC. Yes. Okay, really cool. Now, here's another question. Um, would I be able to do a secure trade um, and not have any NFTs involved? So, for example, if I wanted to say to somebody, hey, um, let's do some, I'll, I'll give you some sauce and HBAR for usdc and jam or something could you maybe do something like that you sure can that's really really cool and the final thing would be i've got a couple cool nfts you've got a couple cool nfts let's keep the money out of it let's just swap some nfts and call it a wash would i be able to do that okay that's really okay that's really interesting so it opens up this whole dynamic of off-market activity for really any asset on Hedera, which is really, really interesting. And I think that um, I really want people to start thinking about because I think just as the original version of Secure Trade had a huge effect on the dynamic of this community, I think that this new version of Secure Trade is the same kind of thing is going to happen. People are going to kind of go, oh, okay, I can do, I can move all these things without having to trust the other party. Um, and that's really um, going to be interesting. Um, so here's another cool update that you did uh, that, again, I think is really important when it comes to growing the ecosystem is the ability to create a hash pack wallet with an email address, right? And this is using um, a piece of infrastructure called Magic Link that's used by a lot of different um, Web3 companies. I think Turtleman was using it at, at one time. Um, and, uh, I know that they, you know, so many different people use them. And basically what you've done is you've integrated this in with Hashpack. So you can go to Hashpack, create a new wallet with an email, log in with your email. The, you know, I'm guessing the point of authentication and security would be your email address. So you'd obviously want to have a strong password and two factor authentication set up on your email, but it makes it so you don't have to manage your own, um, you know, private keys and stuff to access your wallet. So I'm curious, and I think, you know, maybe we'll, we'll take an opportunity just really quick here to touch on the email login stuff. Um, how does that actually work, right? You're not using your private key to login. You're using your email. I'm curious, you know, with, with, with you building this feature, how does it kind of work on the back end? Like what actually happens when you create the wallet and log in? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so Magic Link uh, stores your private keys on um, the Amazon uh, secure key management system. Um, 
there, there's a lot of kind of technical reasons uh, like how this works, but essentially it, it's like encrypted on these, these mo security modules in Amazon's cloud and um, only you have the like credentials to kind of decrypt it. And so the, the keys are actually never in hash pack. So, so the way signing works is it gets sent to, to like your transaction gets sent to the cloud to be signed. And then the signed transaction is then returned and executed by us. So uh, Hashpack never even sees your keys. Um, and yeah, it's it's been um, like audited and everything. There's there's a great write up on the Magic Link site about the security that explains it in a much better way than I can on a spaces. But um, it's it's really legit, and uh, we, we've seen a lot of success from this this feature. Like people seem to really like it. Okay, that's awesome. So it's something that's audited. It's something that's used very widely. Is this kind of um, feature used on um, other networks where you type in your email address and have your private keys handled in the same way? Yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, Hedera is a recent addition for them. Um, I believe the, the HBAR Foundation was talking to them about it and, and kind of massaged a deal out there to get them to add it. And um, but yeah, they, they support a bunch of networks. Um, it's it's super easy to, to kind of implement. Um, and I actually suggest if anyone's looking to like build something and they don't want like to implement a wallet, look into Magic Link. It's it's the perfect kind of solution for for kind of more invisible crypto uh, uh, use cases where you, like you, the user doesn't even need to know they're using crypto. Like it, they actually like Magic Link. Um, I think it started not with like not using crypto at all. It was just a, a login solution. Um, and then I guess they kind of pivoted away to crypto and um, yeah, it's, it's a great system. That's awesome. I love that. So um, I have two more questions for you. So kind of, again, changing gears, you recently launched the Hashpack iOS app. We all know the struggles when it comes to web three entering um, you know, stores, especially Apple's app store, um, because you have Apple that kind of wants to, um, you know, take their cut on transactions, but they don't necessarily have, you know, an Ethereum address or an HBAR account, so they can't really on some of these transactions. So there isn't a lot of, um, you know, Web3 and Apple kind of don't mesh currently, and it's pretty evident seeing... You know, it's unfortunate that you guys have to kind of eliminate certain features of your wallet to function in the app store. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like, you don't have to go too deep into it, but what's that experience like um, navigating that as a Web3 company? What are your thoughts on Apple's stance on these types of things? Are they, is there any sense that you get of them maybe adapting a little more to Web3? Um, like I'm really curious to kind of look, you know, getting a taste of what that situation looks like from, from your end as a developer. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my stance on this Apple stuff is, is just incredibly stupid and, and it just makes no sense. And I think that I, I don't know if they don't understand kind of the, the burden that they're putting on, on these apps or I, I just don't really get the motivation here, but 
Um, so I, a bit of kind of background on, on what the situation is, is back in, I guess, end of October, I think, um, they decided that they wanted a 30% cut of anything involving NFTs um, and that you had to use their in-app payment uh, system for the the fees and if like if you're buying anything you have to use the in-app purchase thing if it's using nfts and so like in, in, i've had a lot of back and forth with um our app reviewers when we were kind of going through the approval process for our app and it, it got to the point where like if i was sending an nft to you right like it, it's a fraction of a penny and they essentially just want a cut of that. Like, it so hold on. So you're telling me Apple wants their thirty percent cut of a fraction of a penny, basically? Yeah, yeah. I think it's more the principle right. versus the amount, <laughs> you know. But um, it it just it made no sense to me. Like how I could pay the Hedera network fee using the in-app purchase system. Like it, it just I, d- I didn't see an actual way that's possible. Um, and so they basically just told me then, then disable it. Um, and I guess for the, there's another feature that the in-wallet swaps, um, you have to submit like a bunch of like documentation, like legal documentation saying we're like allowed to do swaps and stuff like exchanges. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a bit, uh, out, out of our reach at the moment, <laughs> but yeah, so so it's mostly NFT stuff that is not allowed uh, on iOS for us. So yeah, right. So again, there's a few ways we can chalk this up: hash graphs of disruptive technology, and you can look at it from the perspective of, for example, you buy a product for a dollar, Visa gets fifty cents. Um, everybody wants a cut at some point, and to a big extent. The technology space and Web3 included, like most industries, you know, inefficiencies do drive a lot of revenue. And when you take that away and things get really good, almost too good, um, there definitely is resistance. Um, maybe they just don't understand this stuff. They probably do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And I think that for myself, it's like, it's so nice to have an iOS wallet because you have that on-device security, you've got, you know, face ID and all those different types of things. It's great hardware. It's a fantastic way to secure your stuff. But also it's like you do want to use the browser extension or the web version just because you can do more stuff with it. So it's it's tough for you guys to promote that additional security when it comes at such a trade-off. Um, it definitely is tough for you guys, but I really – You know, one thing that I do commend is like just moving forward with it. I think the only way that this stuff is going to change is if users can experience that and see that contrast and maybe provide a bit of, you know, give a bit of pressure to these companies as we see the adoption of crypto growing. Um, Because it's all digital wallets. Apple has their own digital wallet, Apple Pay. Hashpack is just another digital wallet. So um, I I think the space will change. It's going to take time. It's going too slow. Um, But I want to move on to the rest of the news, but I have one more question before you go. Um, I was interested kind of, you know, we've seen a lot of new people hop into the Hedera space, the HBAR community, a lot of new HBAR barians, Hedarians. 
Um, and a lot of those folks are building things on the network and maybe they don't know where to start or understand, you know, certain things to do or any pitfalls or stuff like that. So as somebody such as yourself, that's, as you said, been developing specifically um, for the hash graph for, you know, quite a while, is there like, what's like your best piece of advice or some good advice you would give to someone planning to build on Hedera that's just kind of starting out an indie developer, maybe something you wish someone said to you um, when you set out to build uh, Hashpack. Um, I'm curious if there's any kind of tidbits of wisdom you could pass on to some of these new folks in the community. Um, yeah, I, I would start kind of by reading the Hedera documentation just tip to tail, like, the whole thing, read every single thing in that Hedera documentation, understands what you can do with the network, um, jump into the Hedera discord and maybe ask questions if you have them. Um, uh, a big one is don't, don't store your, your private keys on the front end. Uh, there's been a number of projects that have had their stuff stolen by, by storing the treasury keys in the front end. Do not do that. Um, that people will find them and steal all your stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're super open at Hashpack. Like if you're building something, come ask questions. Uh, we got a developer channel uh, that people ask questions all the time. Like, how do I do this? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty easy if, if you're kind of a semi-experienced developer, it's pretty easy to pick up. Um, I, I would maybe put some warning to, to junior devs to maybe get, get a little uh, experience under your belt before jumping into crypto stuff. Um, just because it is kind of like a layer on top of kind of normal development. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to approach compared to other chains. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great. I think the takeaway from that is just, you know, if you're starting out, be patient with yourself. This is a new technology and Web3 is also new. Um, so, you know, be patient with yourself when you're developing. There are mistakes that you can make. Um, now, before I let you go, was there, you know, was there anything you wanted to plug or anything cool from Hashpack that you wanted to mention or... Um, any shout outs you wanted to give? Um, I, I, I try not to hype stuff up too far before it's uh, ready to go, but uh, we, we have a lot of exciting stuff in the, in the hopper at the moment. So uh, keep, keep your eyes out for that. Um, you know, I mean, shout out to just everybody who's kind of used hash pack and like all the, all the builders who have kind of helped us, uh, build this kind of vibrant ecosystem of, of dApps and NFTs and, and all this stuff going on. Um, it's it's really something to be a part of that. So just thanks, everybody. That's awesome. And real quick before you go, I had I had someone leave a question um, in the spaces here. I think maybe it would be good for you. Is, uh, it's from Orbis86. And they ask, are we going to introduce any compatibility? Sorry, any compatibility with EVM chains, especially with in-wallet swaps? I know that there's some dexes like Pangolin, um, and also like we got Hashport and stuff. But I think they're asking kind of like specifically in-wallet stuff. Are you guys going to be offering those kinds of uh, kind of in-wallet swaps that are kind of EVM compatible? I imagine so at some point down the road. 
Yeah, so I mean, we've been kind of exploring the the hash port uh, stuff that they've been putting out lately. So, so like porting stuff over um, could be a thing soon. Um, not on our kind of immediate uh, roadmap, but swap wise, um, I guess we kind of have to see how it goes. Um, we, we would definitely like to kind of expand our in wallet swap capabilities to to you know, handle, handle more, more exchanges and, and more price feeds and all that stuff. There's, there's, there's a lot going on in, in the DeFi space. Um, in terms of like, like, uh, other chains in Hashpack, um, we don't really have anything to talk about on this, this subject at the time, but it's, it's, it's not out of the question. So who knows? Right on. Okay. Um, well, oh, okay. One sec. We got one more, one more question. You're, you're a popular guy, Tyler. One more question. Um, same person listening. Um, will bulk sender feature be available to send multiple NFTs to multiple wallets? Um, secure trade is limited to eight or 10 at the moment, I believe. I guess what they're asking is, would you be able to do secure trade with more than two parties involved? Um. Yeah, so the, the this secure trade limit is is kind of like a, a technical limitation of the Hedera uh, network. Um, you can really only have like nine or ten uh, asset transfers in a single transaction. Um, <laughs> bulk sending. Uh, I, I don't want to give anything away yet, but uh, we got some cool stuff coming up so keep an eye out okay awesome well thanks tyler i really really appreciate it i'm going to send you back down to the listeners um and i'm going to um invite up um uh john from bank social uh if you're if you're uh still still tuned in i'd love to have you come up um to talk quickly uh about iso 2002 i know you had some thoughts on that um, and basically I'll just read John's tweet here real quick. Cause this is a conversation, you know, for folks unfamiliar, Swift global payment system, there's a new messaging standard. A lot of people are talking about other specific web three networks, utilizing it and supporting it. And it's going to be so important. And there's a lot of confusion around does Hedera support it? Does it not? John's tweet says for those on today's call referring to uh, a recent spaces, that thought Hedera was having to work around to provide ISO 2002 support. I'm here to tell you that's 100% wrong. Hedera is 100% compliant and with HTS no less, which is a, which is huge when you factor in the cost. It can support all the messages. So maybe you can expand on that a little bit. Like, do we have clarity around this? Um, and I mean, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. So um, yeah, uh, if I could, I'd like to uh, just comment on a few of the things that I heard before, you know, specifically with staking. Um, yes. Uh, if, are you okay with that, Brandon? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Quickly, just on staking, you know, I think there are there are a lot of differences uh, between the, the uh, different ecosystems. Um, you know, the reason why I think uh, – or sorry, not staking. I, I don't know why staking was in my head. The uh, – compatibility of people picking it up and integrating Hedera into their ecosystems. Um, I'll tell you that when you compare it to something like Ethers, JS, which is an EVM compatible, uh, you know, JavaScript library, um, the Hedera SDK, whether you're talking about, you know, the JavaScript SDK or the Go SDK, it's, it's, you know, I would say it's an order of magnitude easier to learn than Ethers. 
And so when I look at kind of it from a business standpoint, I look at, you know, you've got all these EVM compatible chains. They, they build it, they build it one time and then it's, you know, it's compatible with Polygon. It's compatible with um, Ethereum, B and B, you know, they can kind of get five, six chains out of the way. So um, some of this might also be just um, their unwillingness to put something in that's going to really render a lot of the rest of the use cases here useless. So I think um, we, we got to, my, my point there is we kind of got to build it ourselves. And um, I think people are just going to naturally by way of using it, use it. The other thing I was going to say is if you are building on iOS, um, you know, we have a fully functioning wallet that doesn't, that we got on very quickly. We got approved in the iOS app store very quickly. That does, um, NFTs. It doesn't do it on Hedera yet. Um, but we didn't have any issues with, uh, so I think it's, it's a matter of how you approach it too. It's a matter of how you uh, position your position, you know, yourself legally in the ecosystem. But, uh, okay. So on to ISO. So I've had a lot of discussions with, with a lot of different people about this and, uh, I think a lot of people don't really understand what ISO is uh, or ISO 20-22. So let's talk about it. So first, it's it's old. It's not new. It's from 2004, okay? ISO 20-22 was first proposed in 2004, and it's been trying to gain traction ever since, and it never has. And the reason why it never has is because banks like kind of holding on to their own protocols. You know, Chase wants everything to go through Chase, and Swift wants everything to go through Swift. And what what blockchain DLT really did was it came in, and you know, I think for the people that I respect in the space, we don't see ISO twenty uh, twenty two as something that is even relevant anymore. I want to say that first. Okay. Um, now, having said that, do I think that? Uh, people are using this as the reason why they don't want to use something. Yes. And so I think it's very important. And I've talked with the Hedera guys about this, several of the developers, you know, they were more like, well, we don't need it. And I'm like, well, that's not a reason why you shouldn't say it's compatible (laughs) because you don't want somebody to use that as a reason or an excuse of not to use it. And so what ISO 20.22 is, it's a, you know, I, I think there's there's several hundred messages in it. I'm not sure on the exact count. And basically, each one of these different payload types is a message that defines a certain type of transaction. Now, some of these transactions can be large. The payloads can be very large. And so, you know, the way I envision this, and the way I've talked to the Hedera team, like when we go when we go pitch this to to um, people who want to use this protocol and they want to use it for very cheap, and they want to do it on Hedera, utilizing HTS as a token, as a, as a fungible, in a, in, a non, in a fungible and a non-fungible manner, you can essentially take a payload message, put it into an NFT, store that payload message on Rweave or IPFS, and put that into um, you know, a fungible token, that now ties out the entire payload for that ISO uh, compliant message and uh, in, in any of the 200 or 250 or 275 different messages. And so when you compare this to the cost now of sending that type of message versus the traditional rails, of course, depending on the payload size and the, and the cost on IPFS and the cost on RWE, but when you're comparing this with the traditional payment rails and the cost of these transactions, you're talking about just for your standard transaction, you're talking about orders of magnitude less, especially when you can use the HTA, the native HTS tokens as your 
rail mechanism for the for the payload. And on top of that, you can also build. So let's say you're building a CDBC or you're, you're building a stablecoin. You can also conduct the transaction of the stablecoin. So if if you've got a payload, if you've got a message that requires a payload and it's a type of t- transaction, not only are you able to get the payload message across, you're able to make the payment in the same transaction. You're able to store the message in any manner you need to satisfy ISO 20.22. And then it's all done within seconds. It's immutable. It's on chain. And it's orders of magnitude less cost. And the other thing here, too, is is your cost structure. And, you know, I think that's another big advantage. I don't, I don't you know, ever get hear this, which I think we need to be bringing this up more as, as people who believe in Hedera and as we pitch this to people. It's the fixed cost structure of Hedera. The fixed cost structure of Hedera on HTS is it cannot be we can't overstate its its benefit in the market. When you're as a business able to project your exact cost of a transaction, um, there, there's no more powerful tool than being able to project your exact cost. And there's no other chain that exists right now where you could do that. There's no other chain. You can't go to Cardano. I've had I've had discussions with. Cardano developers where they're telling me, well, the, it's fixed in Cardano. It's not like ETH where the gas fluctuates and you don't know each transaction how much you're going to pay. So you kind of just have to wait and guesstimate and do your best to figure out if it's going to cost this much. With On something like Ethereum, you're, you're hitting it twice. You're getting hit twice. You're getting hit with the price of gas going up and down or the, or the actual cost of a transaction going up and down because miners are wanting more at this time versus last time. Uh, and you're getting hit with the cost of Ethereum jumping up and down. So you're getting hit in both places. And Ethereum's, you know, it's, it's you know, whatever you want to call it price-wise. I talk to Cardano devs and they tell me, yeah, well, uh, you know, it's fixed in Cardano. It's not like Ethereum. It's fixed in Cardano. Well, you still have the, the problem with the price moving with Cardano, right? And who knows as these things swing. So with Hedera, there's a tremendous advantage to being able to have a, uh, a fixed price cost transaction of, you know, a hundredth of a penny or, you know, whatever, whatever, my, if my math is off, it's wrong there. It's fractions of a penny and it's the same every time. I, I know that I can, I can price that out. So, you know, when we're talking about bringing, bringing businesses in, again, I want to be very clear that I, that I think that ISO 20.22 for anybody who's building, who's building new, who's building in the, you know, who's kind of building looking forward. I think telling people that you, you're able to offer, so we do that. We tell people that if you want ISO 20.22, we can build stuff that's ISO 20.22. What I think that's more asking from a business perspective, from these outsiders looking in is, can you be a compliant, can you be a compliant system? And I think as, as a Hedera community, we have to understand and be able to say that, yes, Hedera at its base stack level can be ISO 20.22. I would, I would say, though, that we don't have to, and I, I think this is where I'll agree with the Hedera devs. They don't really like to say that, we're, that it's ISO 20.22, and it's more about just the philosophy than it can it do it. It's not a, it can't do it. It's like a, you know, we don't, I, I don't want to take that, that stance and say, no, you know, we shouldn't promote it. I think it should be promoted because, again, these are the reasons why Swift's trying to create a position for themselves right now that says you need Swift. You need you need to be ISO twenty twenty two compliant for this to work. And I just don't think um, that not only is that not necessary, but um, 
you know, I think we're going to find that as this goes along, that's going to be start, start to become something that, um, uh, it become less and less of a focus for these international transactions, international wires, international payments, all these different messaging types that come through. That was long winded. No, no, I appreciate it. I think it, you know, deserves a spotlight. And I mean, you know, we're familiar with people within Hedera, um, not really being upfront about whether it is or whether it isn't. I mean, um, lots of folks pointed to the recent uh, interview Lehman did with BitBoy, where he asked him the question. Lehman was kind of like, I don't even know what that is. Um, so what you're saying is um, definitely, you know, Hedera should take the stance that, yes, you know, it supports ISO, you know, 2022. But, you know, uh, it we shouldn't be the situation where we, we say we don't or we just don't. Uh, bring it up at all. It should be part of the conversation. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's a fine line because here's the thing is there's a fine line with promoting something that's kind of legacy. And I see ISO 2022 as being a legacy instrument. Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time building software um, that use these payload messaging standards. You know, um, we used to use... Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of fixed fixed gateways. These are kind of still staying around in the in the brokering space. Um, there are also um, EDI uh, standards and specs for um, for shipping and for uh, logistics. And and I think you know it's important for us to understand these because they're still in use and they're still going to be things that people rely on. And for us to say no, you got to do it a new way. It puts businesses on. Uh, you know, it puts businesses on a back foot. And when I look at something, you know, when I go in and I try to sell something, I don't try to sell them what I have. I try to sell them what they have, <laughs> what they already used, just in a way that's more cost effective, more cost effective, less friction, easier to use, easier to implement. I certainly don't go in there and say, hey, you've got to throw away everything you've ever been doing and you've ever learned because that's not the way, that's not the way that you get, um, you know, that's not the way that you get people to use computers. I mean, look at it's it's the very reason why I think iOS was or not iOS, but uh, Mac OS was built on Linux. They wanted to get all the builders or not Linux, but a, a B, BSD version of Unix. They wanted to get all the real computer users who they knew would build real stuff, not the Microsoft point and click guys um, to, to feel you know, comfortable with their ecosystem, with their, with their software. And so they built something that people were familiar with. And I think, we can do the same thing. We can go to these people who are legacy builders in the space and help them understand that this is a new way uh, to do things. And the other thing I would say, you know, as far as like developers coming in and, and building in, in Hedera, um, it's, it's the easiest one to build out of by far, by far. There's nothing even close to it. I mean, with all the other networks, you've got to, uh, you've got to spin up a, Either you have to spin up your own node or you've got to, uh, you know, pay for an inferior node or any other node um, so that you can go out and get get transactions and interact with the network. With Hedera, that's just built in. You don't have to do that. And so when you look at this as kind of what is this a similar abstraction to? It's a similar abstraction to like a database. So building on top of a database, right? You have an abstraction layer. You've got some type of ODBC connector or you've got some type of. Um, database abstraction layer, and you're building on top of that. And so I think we need to help people understand that that's really all you're doing here is you're taking an abstraction, a, a data layer abstraction, and you're building on it. And yes, if you want to, if let's say you're in shipping, 
let's say with, with Avery Dennison, they're in shipping, right? And Atma, what they're doing with RFID. So we used to do all this stuff. We used to do it with EDI. And to go in and be able to tell these companies that are utilizing EDI that, yes, you can now do this immutably. So one of the big problems we used to have, just as a use case, I'm just going to you know throw out a use case here in shipping. So we used to build these multinational, huge retail network, omni-channel with huge retailers, Polo, um, you know, Toys R Us. I mean, massive retailers, okay, um, and even government entities, right? And so there would be they would send files back and forth. They'd drop them on FTP servers, and then you know you'd go pick it up, and it, then it would be taken off the FTP server, and then something would blow up, and then everybody's pointing fingers at each other. That world doesn't have to exist anymore. And Hedera can be the enabler of why that world doesn't have to exist anymore. And so, again, when we go in and we tell these people that these systems can do that, Hedera can do this. It can build on top of these existing ecosystems. And it can do it in a way that doesn't make these guys feel like they're having to throw away everything they've learned for the last 20 or 30 years. I think that's super important when building something like this and getting mass adoption. You know, if if Oracle... You know, if, if Microsoft and Oracle had to go in and say, look, it's not going to work like DB2 works because DB2 had the, you know, the 10 year head start on these guys and you have to learn everything all over again, they wouldn't have made it. And so we kind of have to have the same approach. And that's how we're having success, quite frankly, is we're able to come in, like, like I said, for example, with the, with the shipping, being able to say, hey, now your shipping notice is immutably transferred on a ledger that whenever somebody needs to look, it's very easy to go back and say, no, it was your problem or it was our problem or it came in at this time or it was processed at this time or it had this data in it, it didn't have this data in it. That's the power that these ecosystems give us that we have to, especially Hedera, because now that's a fixed cost transaction. It's a, it's a one penny, it's a you know tenth of a cent transaction or it's you know a couple cents transaction. Super important for us to be able to have these conversations with these large entities for adoption. That's those are great insights, John. I really appreciate you uh, stopping by. Whenever I hear you talking about the stuff, I'm like, okay, different perspective. This you gotta you gotta loop things back into the old school because that's kind of a lot of the results we're seeing with the network is being able to interface with some of these legacy systems and not need to reinvent the wheel, but uh, throw some new tread on there and get going zero to sixty faster. Yeah, one other thing I was going to say about the new account ramp ups unique on Hedera that doesn't really exist anywhere else. And I think that this might change a little bit once you start having to pay rent. You know, I think that's coming here pretty quickly. You're going to start having to pay rent for your account. I don't think it, I don't think it drastically reduces it. But one of the things that, that you can do on this network that is very hard to do on other networks is spin up and use accounts and, and throw out transactions just even to test them on a main net for for a dollar, you can get thousands and thousands and thousands of transactions with thousands and thousands of accounts. And so you create these use cases in Hedera that really can't exist very many other places, you know, especially when you talk about, you know, all of the, the uh, different types of, um, you know, with H I really love HTS personally. I mean, that that's one of the things that I think takes Hedera above, above all HTS because of the features that are built into the HTS tokens. The fact that you can do uh, fungible and non-fungible, you can do fee structured tokens. I mean, there's so many options built into the HTS token and the ease of use in the SDK. It, it, it's really like the paramount 
of where you'd want to be as somebody coming in and getting started with the you know best of all worlds options right at your fingertips super easy to set up you know it's it's basically like you know if you know how to use npm you're like npm install hedera sdk and then with 10 lines of code you're writing an application on hedera it's incredible yeah it's it's a pair it's 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 kind of two things at once it's a paradigm shift into the future but then it's also backwards compatible with a lot of different uh legacy enterprise systems which i think is like the the appeal of the network so i love it john i really appreciate you coming up um thanks for stopping by hopefully we'll have you on another spaces in the future um, I've got, I've got to get onto the news. I was just looking at my list of stuff to talk about. So I'm gonna, all good. I'm yeah, thanks so much. All right, cheers. I really appreciate you stopping by. Um, okay, so let's get down to it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cram this in. I appreciate everyone for hanging on. I know we're all waiting to figure out what else is going on. What the heck is going on? Um, so let's dive into it. So recently, uh, as recent as a couple days ago, um, Hedera published their 2022 community update. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's on the Hedera blog. It was published on the 24th and it's a great retrospective of what happened on the network. Anybody who is new to the Hedera ecosystem, this is super duper duper high level just on kind of like the state of Hedera as a network and as a brand, go in, read it. It's a great way to kind of get caught up on, on the major, major things, um, that went down. It is interesting reading it too, because, when they when we look at the window of what they covered, it went up until kind of like mid December. So it's kind of funny that um, the huge ramp up in TPS and all that stuff isn't really a part of this retrospective. So this truly is almost like um, you 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 read up until kind of almost the end of an era, and now we're kind of in a new one on Hedera. So all the stuff I'm going to talk about it's in the thread pinned to the top of the spaces. You can go in and read each of them. Again, if you're new to the ecosystem, read this piece. It's great. Big thing that happened um, over the you know over the weekend is Lethos Entertainment. It's a AAA gaming studio um, on Hedera. They're going to be launching um, a game called Ashfall within the coming years. That's going to be leveraging the network. They are releasing comic books, and they've teamed up with a TikTok star, Michael Lee. I have to admit, I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I should be. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, the guy's got 52.2 million followers. There's a comic book. He's in it. I mean, we've been talking about, oh, our big influencers going to, um, you know, start talking about Hedera, start talking about products on the network. Our account's going to be created because of this exposure. Well, seems like that's happening. We've got you know, 1,500 accounts being created every hour ever since this announcement came out. People are going in. They're grabbing these NFTs. Um, you go in, if you've got Apple Pay, if you've got a credit card, you know, you you grab an NFT. Um, so it's really neat. Um, and there's two sides to this, as there usually is with a lot of this growth on the ecosystem, right? You can look at it as the perspective of what's happening outside of the network, and what's happening inside the network, inside the ecosystem. So on the outside, a lot of these folks maybe don't even realize they're buying an NFT, right? They're buying a digital collectible. It's a comic book um, that has an influencer that they love. That's this new video game that's coming out that's exciting, right? That's great. When we look at it from inside the ecosystem, there's been a lot of feedback into how this is accomplished 
If the, if if you know you want to buy this with HBAR, you've got to do some level of KYC. It's a little more convoluted. It's not ideal in comparison to let's say going to Turtle Moon Launchpad or Zeus or Hash Guild or Hedera Sentine or one of these other launch pads and minting an NFT. It's click click boom, you know. But this is kind of what we're going to have to start to get used to, right? The way that's easiest for people outside of Hedera to get a hold of these you know, digital collectibles, it's not going to be what we're used to. It's because these larger institutions and brands and companies and influencers are meeting folks halfway, right? Doing something that they're used to. They have to be able to buy these collectibles with their credit card. And sometimes these platforms that you do it with aren't, you know, what we're used to, but we're going to have to get used to it. Um, This is what this is what, uh, you know, uh, mass adoption, the baby steps look like. Um, and we've heard people within the ecosystem talk about it. We, you know, we've got Orbis 86 listening, huge shout out to her and her team. Um, something that they talk about a lot is, um, you know, we have to have these cross chain discussions, um, and continue growing. And that also extends out to beyond web three, right? You have to meet people halfway. So, Shout out to Lathos, driving account creation. We will get there. Things will continue to improve and get better. Um, but these are just the first steps. It's really cool. I mean, you know, th- these little things are happening. Um, also, huge, you know, huge shout out to Hello Future Buzz and everyone else involved with the uh, holiday community party that happened mid December. Um, a lot of those funds uh, went to a great cause. Um, they went to um, the uh, Hayes uh, Caldwell uh, Women's Center serving victims of domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, and child abuse, um, and it, you know in San Marcos, Texas. And all of the you know over two hundred thousand H bar raised went to this organization. So that was great. I just wanted to highlight that yet again. Another holiday season passed. And the HBAR community came together and, and rallied for a great cause. So it's awesome to see. Um, also, too, again, another great resor- resource for people that are new to the Hedera network that want to maybe see the scope from the enterprise side. Hedera did announce a new ecosystem uh, page specifically highlighting enterprise use cases, which is great to see. Um, and this is where you'll find um, Avery Dennison. Uh, Bank Social, um, you know, we had John speaking just earlier from Bank Social. We've got FPOS, we've got EM Tech, um, we've got Hala Systems, um, we've got LG, uh, we've got Proven DB, we got Service Now, we got DLA Piper, we've got Fortune 500s, we've got um, startups. These are all companies that have use cases currently running on the network. Um, so this is a great way for people to kind of crack open the network and see what's actually going on. Um, they even have a tab called the governing council to see who on the governing council um, is doing stuff um, and also just who's on the governing council. So this is a great resource, again, linked in the thread, pinned to the top of the spaces for folks new to the network that just want to kind of, again, crack it open and see what is happening on the enterprise side. Um, now moving forward, we've got some other interesting stuff happening. We have a new hip coming, uh, Hedera improvement proposal for mutable 
metadata on NFTs proposed by patches from Turtle Moon Command Center. Um, basically, where NFTs are right now in Hedera, right, they're great. You don't have to use a smart contract. You mint them right to the L1. They act the same way that an HBAR would. But the limitation is they're immutable, right, by nature. So that means that the metadata and content within inside the NFT um, can't easily be updated after the fact. You'd have to do some kind of burning mechanism or something like that. What this new HIP proposes is the ability to update the metadata inside an NFT, which basically means that you would be able to change the NFT after it's minted. This is a really fascinating um, discussion that's happening around this HIP uh, that I encourage people to participate in. And this is kind of a paradigm shift with NFTs on Hedera. Basically, when you collect an NFT, it's in your wallet and it could change down the road from the collector, which is something that happens on other networks. It could happen on Hedera. So that's really cool. New hip, check it out. Um, also, interesting update from EM Tech, um, which is focused on CBDCs. And they recently did some presentations at, I think it is We Day. Uh, yeah, We Day. And uh, basically, there is an uh, organization called WePay in the Caribbean and EM Tech. Um, which uh, CEO Carmel Cadet um, talks about a couple things that they're working on and finally sheds some light on some of these different things. Um, EM Tech is focused on CBDCs, um, central bank digital currencies, but focused on de uh, developing economies and other economies that want to go in a different direction as they move forward into something potentially more progressive or more uh, focused on DLT. Hedera is used as a component of these networks. And uh, quickly, I wanted to highlight a couple things that she was talking about on a recent Twitter spaces uh, that was hosted by the HBAR Foundation. A couple things she was talking about is um, they are working on a digital dollar project. They're working on stable coins backed by CBDCs. They're working on cross-border payments between CBDCs and unprecedented liquidity mechanisms. Um, I mean, this is big stuff and we've been following EM tech for a long time. I would like to dive into it a little more, but we are short on time. But what I will say is I, again, this is uh, linked in the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces. I do encourage people to go. There is about a, I say two minute. Yeah. Two minute clip from that Twitter space is shared by the H bar bull. Um, where Carmel talks about some of these different components. It's really interesting, the stuff they're working on. It can't be understated how important it is, and it is a really um, crucial use case for the network. Um, people talk about CBDCs a lot, love them or hate them. Um, they're happening. And also these kind of government-backed stable coins, right? If you look at, um, you know, for example, the U.S., the thought of a U.S. digital dollar that maybe isn't a CBDC, but just you know, government-backed stablecoin to potentially be used as a clearing layer for payments, all these different types of things, EM tech is kind of at the center of when it pertains to Hedera. So definitely keep an eye on that stuff. Listen to that clip. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, Christian Hasker, Chief Marketing Officer for Swirled slash Hedera, tweeted something out um, that – 
you know, is reminiscent of some bold statements made by folks in those kind of inner circles. He tweets out, quote, the Hedera network is on track to process 1 billion transactions every 20 days at its current pace. But at some point in the future, I believe it will be processing that volume every 20 minutes. That's pretty bold. Um, And I mean, you know, on one side I go, yeah, sure. I mean, if we look at what's proposed by the network and what we expect and what's been laid out since the beginning, for sure. But, you know, but also at the same time, you know, be careful, Christian. I mean, we had Mance tweet out about a step function eight months ago. Um, We've had people make some pretty bold claims that take a long time to work up to. So, uh, you know, if you're feeling optimistic, by all means, uh, but I think that, you know, we do have to continue to be careful. You know, the branding tagline is um, all substance, no hype or hype, you know, you know, substance over hype. So um, this is pretty hype. Not going to, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty hype. This is a pretty hype tweet, Christian, and hopefully there's substance behind it. I think there is. I think we all know there is, but um, think about that. A billion transactions every twenty minutes. It's kind of wild to think about. There's a there's a part of us that kind of go like, yeah, we'll get there, but also at the same time, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a little early, so we'll have to see. Um, the other thing too, we talked about it with Tyler earlier from Hashpath about the reception that the recent step function has garnered from people outside of the Hashverse the Hedera world. And, you know, it's the service is called the Hedera consensus service. Maybe it's poor naming, but obviously when you have 90% of the transactions for this network, um, utilizing the Hedera consensus service, I understand folks outside of Hedera without knowledge of the network going, Hey, that's like Solana, right? Solana counts, these messages between validators and nodes as that TPS count, which you can't really classify as transactions. There's no transfer of value. With Hedera, all of these Hedera consensus service transactions are transferring actual HBAR, right? So these are transactions happening. And I think, again, it's just really when you pull back, it's, Blockchain and Hashgraph, two very, very different technologies. And there's just a lack of knowledge about Hashgraph right now. So we're going to have to be patient. We're going to have to, you know, prepare for a lot of these different types of conversations happening. But, you know, again, like the HBAR Foundation and Hedera have said, there will be use cases that do use a high volume of Hedera token service transactions, right? Atma.io just happens to utilize HCS there will be you know, high volume use cases that do leverage HTS. So it won't be like this forever. We gotta just suck it up. We gotta meet people with empathy. We gotta educate um, and we gotta have some class. We gotta have class folks. Um, and the other thing is, uh, let's take a look here. Um, yeah, this is where we get into some interesting stuff 
on the Hedera subreddit, right? This is a really cool community on, on, on Reddit for Hedera. Um, someone made a post that kind of jogged my memory is uh, they said, quote, did I miss something? Whatever happened to the news of a possible Fortune 10 company being involved with Hedera? Right? Interesting. Last year, Lehman was on a webinar for something I can't remember. And he mentioned that Hedera has a Fortune 10 use case coming right now. Quick refresher. Um, who's in the Fortune 10 right now? Um so let's see, uh, Fortune 10 list. We've got, uh, uh, no, those are, yeah, we got Walmart, Amazon, um, Apple, CVS Health, uh, ExxonMobil, Alphabet, Berkshire Hathaway, right? We've got uh, these massive, massive companies. Is Walmart building a use case? Is Amazon building a use case? Um, you know, is Alphabet building a use case? Google's on the governing council. But still my heart is Apple building a use case. We don't know, right? We, we just don't know. Um, but Lehman said that a Fortune 10 use case is building. And um, a reminder that it was purported that it would be the first quarter of 2023. Here we are. Let's see what happens. Um, it's another spinning plate up in the air that we're just kind of keeping track of and seeing what's going on. So it's one to follow, one to circle back on. I, you know, To be honest with everything happening, kind of forgot about it saw it on reddit and i was like ah that's another thing to keep an eye on is it one of these step function contributors right is it a high transaction throughput use case is it still happening right it's been a month and it's been purported that 80 use cases are going to go live on the network in the first quarter well we're a third way through the first quarter um what's going on right we gotta, we gotta stay realistic. We gotta keep an eye on things. Um, a new on the topic of hardware wallets and staking and all these different types of things. You know, as I was talking with Tyler from Hashpack, um, you know, there are limitations to these. Uh, you know, companies like Ledger, um, you know, are sometimes slow to roll on developing for the Hedera network. Well. We do know about a hardware wallet called Citadel Wallet building, you know, specifically for the Hedera network and will support all different um, aspects of the network, all different types of transactions, not just the three uh, types of transactions that Ledger will support, but all of them. And Citadel Wallet recently published um, their documentation, um, or maybe it's not specifically documentation, but... They detail an introduction, motivation, use cases, um, and certain wallet specs, all these different types of things. Um, and, oh, they, uh, they're, they're um, different things for their uh, SDK and APIs and stuff are noted to be coming soon as well. So very, very cool. Um, and definitely encourage people to check that out. Um, also an interesting piece of news highlighted by Zenobia from Swirls. Um, Proven DB, right? That is a company um, that used to be built on Ethereum and moved to Hedera, has now been acquired by OneSpan. So um, that's really cool, right? A company built on Hedera and utilizing the network, um, Proven DB has now been acquired. So 
we're starting to see some of these ripple effects into um, the spaces outside of Web3 with traditional enterprise leveraging Hedera um, and starting to see some of these mergers and acquisitions and movements, um, which are really interesting to see, um, right? A Hedera-powered company uh, acquired by another company. Interesting news. Zeus Market just passed 125 million HBAR transacted. Let's see what it's at right now, because sometimes you can get a sense of the speed um, at which the marketplace is moving. We're at uh, about 126.6 million HBAR transacted now, total volume. Um, That's pretty big. That's pretty big. Uh, Zeus Market has been around for, I guess, a year now, almost exactly. So where are we headed from here? When do we hit 250 million? Um, some folks are saying that could happen within a month, a couple months. Some folks are saying it might take a little longer. But again, when we look at the shifting fundamentals of the network, the spike in account creation, the spike in transactions, um, what, what, you know, how will that expedite some of these different milestones? Um, we're just going to have to see. Uh, upcoming Dex Pangolin, um, which is a large Dex on Avalanche, right? Another L1 is coming to Hedera. They were set to launch on the 24th or the 23rd. I believe it was the 24th. Um, and there were delays. It's, it's understandable, right? If people recall, Saucer Swap experienced about a week delay launching, right? So delays happen and Pangolin is set to launch tomorrow, Monday. Um, and we've talked about it in the past. I just wanted to highlight that there is an update from them and that DEX is launching tomorrow. It's an interesting DEX because it allows people on Avalanche to interface with the Hedera network, access some of this, these assets, and we may see um, some influxes of liquidity coming over to the Hedera ecosystem. It's very interesting and very cool. So shout out to Pangolin. I'm happy to see things back on track. A couple episodes ago, I did have um, Scruffy on from Pangolin, having a conversation. Go listen to that episode. I think it was like episode 60 or something. Check it out. Um, so this was also something really, really interesting that honestly flew under the radar for me, um, but caught my attention um, because uh, Rob Allen um, from the, I believe the HBAR Foundation tweeted out um, some responses to an update. And basically he said the following, and I'll just kind of read these three tweets, uh, a little bit of a back and forth uh, between him and another community member that kind of got me a little excited. So um, recently there were some updates uh, in regards to um, Australian Payments Plus, which is a provider. We also have FPOS and uh, the Connect ID and all these different types of things. Really kind of starting to see this focus on Australia and those payment systems and how big Hedera may actually be in Australia when it comes to payments. And so... Rob Allen tweets, quote, Australian Payments Plus is the new merged organization that includes FPOS, new payments platform, NPP, that is real-time payments, and BPay, the Australian bill payment scheme. This is the entire Australian payments industry winky emoji. Hmm. So Twitter user Sam Leiden13 responds, so... Quote, 
Hedera is basically going to be providing the digital infrastructure for the entire Australian financial system. Nice. When you also show NAB the light and get them to come over to Hedera too, it's going to be game on. And Rob Allen says the game is definitely afoot. So really, really interesting movement here. Really interesting stuff. Um, we now know that Hedera is going to have a much bigger presence and involvement in the Australian payment infrastructure, including um, bill payments and all those different types of things, um, than we originally understood. And especially FPOS, right? Being a governing council member, it's just it's just a really interesting situation to look at, one that I'm going to keep my eyes on, um, and we're just going to have to see as it evolves. Um, also, our last story of the day, uh, one that came in just today, a little bit of breaking news. Also, speaking of breaking news, as I've been running the show, I have seen hashtag HBAR NFTs trending on Twitter, um, which we have seen over and over again, so that's really, really cool. Um and, oh, uh, I did see um, Rob Allen respond uh, to this tweet as well. So this is really interesting. So um, Tolem Earth is a, you know, it's basically an AI-driven market maker for the carbon offset markets. So last week I had uh, Matt from Dovu on talking about carbon offsets uh, why the way that things cur currently work is not sustainable, why technologies like Hedera Hashgraph are going to reinvent the industry and make things more transparent, trustworthy, all these different types of things, um, and how The Guardian comes in and uh, you know brings things all together. If you know For more details, definitely go back and listen to last week's episode. But Tolem Earth tweets out, quote, Demand for a credible, transparent platform for buying and selling carbon offsets at scale has never been higher. Meet Tolem Earth, the marketplace for high-quality, high-impact offsets to help organizations achieve their goals. And again, Rob Allen replies, quote, Tolem Earth is the key to the entire Guardian ecosystem on Hedera, an AI-driven market maker matching supply with demand for carbon credits and all other nature and environmental digital assets at Hedera speed, security, transparency, and low cost. This is all caps, the game changer. So we've heard Rob Allen talk about in previous interviews um, how important ESG use cases and carbon offset credits specifically um, are to the growth of the network, um, how high in demand they are for these different kinds of uh, you know, economies and, and uh, you know, enterprises. So Tolem Earth, they've got a teaser video out um, and they're basically going to be um, a massive pillar of infrastructure for ESG use cases on Hedera. And they had a big announcement today and you should check it out. You should stay up to date on it. This is, I think, really when we look at um, this kind of enterprise mass adoption of the Hedera network, ESG use cases are kind of the tip of the spear. So that's something to keep in mind on. But wow, what an episode. Holy camoly. Um, and we covered a lot. We spoke to Tyler from Hashpack, CTO of Hashpack, about staking on ledger hardware devices coming, right? Being able to stake your HBAR 
in your ledger. That should be coming live in two months. Um, also, we spoke to uh, John from Bank Social about the ISO 2022 uh, um, messaging standard. Um, I learned that that was something that was instated in 2004. So that's obviously top of mind for so many people, especially with SWIFT um, announcing that those requirements are going to come into play in March. All these different big top-level things. And then we have Ashfall, right? We have uh, these ESG use cases. We've got the retrospectives because we're in a new year. Um, we've got mutable metadata. We've got CBDC news from EM Tech. Um, all these different types of things. We still are waiting on the Fortune 10 use case this quarter. All these different types of things. Um, it is just another big week. When I started these spaces over a year ago, it was a struggle sometimes to fill the hour. And an hour about an hour and 40 minutes now. Um, and I never anticipated guests, right? Having guests on the show would be um, an element of this show, right? I just got on spaces and I talk about the news, sign off, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now I've got guests on the show. I've got people messaging me, asking to be guests on the show and all these types of things. So it's really grown. And I mean, um, you know, when someone messages me and they want to be on the show, um, you know, I don't you know, feel free to do so. I'm not necessarily going to have you on the show, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of people that are, you know, top of mind and generate a lot of buzz and it would probably be, you know, beneficial to have them on the show. But as I've said many times before, the show's just kind of an excuse for me to stay up to date. Um, it's, you know, it sounds a little selfish, but it's hard to keep up with all this stuff. And the, the whole reason I do this show is literally just to force myself personally to keep up with what's happening in this space. If I didn't have this show, I probably wouldn't know like what's going on. And I just, it, I'm, I, you know, I really appreciate all you guys tuning in. And I think that having guests on the show has been great. And I want to have guests on the show that are going to answer questions that I have, you know, like I'm just another community member and I have my own questions and I just happen to have a show that people really love and tune into. So that means I'm allowed to reach out to some of these people and say, Hey, uh, there's something happening. And I, I think you have some answers to some questions you want to be on the show. And it's not always going to be people that, you know, you know, other people are having on other shows, but I think, it's people that can provide some insights and some useful information, some actionable information um, on just stuff happening in the ecosystem for the week. Um, and that's one thing that's just, I want to you know, express my gratitude and everything for, because people tuning in and listening to the show, it means I can reach out to some of these people and get answers um, and do stuff like have Tyler on the show and ask them about staking and what's going on and, all these questions that I have that probably other people have just get answers to them. It's not that hard. It's just people talking together and it's not about um, people pitching or, um, you know, getting, you know, you know, saying, Hey, check out this project or check out that, this project or whatever. It's just sharing information. It's just asking questions. It's just knowing how things work. That's all we're trying to do. So I just, you know, again, I also have gratitude for people that take the time out like John and Tyler and all the guests that I've had that, you know, maybe don't necessarily have something to plug or, um, you know, are doing a tour of spaces. They just take some time out of their day to hop on and answer my questions. Um, so I really appreciate that. So 
Um, I'm a curious H barbarian. I've got a show that people listen to, and I just love being able to have people on and get information um, that hopefully is, you know, helpful and useful to other people as well. And, you know, people keep tuning in and I really appreciate it. So um, takeaway for the week. What is it? Um, I think that, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot going on and a lot of people are focused on price. A lot of people are focused on, the economy, and rightly so. But I think what's important is look at the test net. Look at the main net. There's a great, again, there's a great website, um, Metrica, M-E-T-R-I-K-A, Metrica. You go on there, and it's like a little dashboard where you can see what's happened on the network in the last day, week, month, year, um, and just understand what actually technically is happening on the network. What are people using? Um, what NFTs are popular? What tokens are popular? How many accounts are being made? Um, it, it, in these early days of Hedera, I think this is more important to watch than price. Um, and it, it's very useful to be well-versed in some of these terms, right? Like TPS um, or... Um, HCS topics. What is that? Well, check out this dashboard, understand what's going on because understanding what a topic idea is on Hedera is just as important as understanding, you know, what the price is in my opinion. And there's also the test net. As Lehman Baird said, watch the test net because what happens on the test net will probably happen on the main net at some point. And we've been watching the test net run at sometimes thousands of transactions a second, Right. We did see it running last year at hundreds of transactions per second. And guess what? Shocker. The main net is now running at hundreds of transactions per second. I'm running out of breath. And that's, it's, it's as simple as that. That's my main takeaway. Watch the network. Watch the actual technical fundamentals of the network. Stay up to date with that stuff. Learn about that stuff. It's like Tyler said from Hashpack. If you're developing... Read the, document, the, the documentation for development, right? Beginning to end. This is the time to absorb information and understand how this stuff works because the more you know, the better decisions you're going to be able to make. Um, and it'll put you ahead of other people because you understand what's going on, right? And with that, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 62, Ledger is Coming. On Twitter Spaces, where we talk about the top stories covering everything related to HBAR and Hedera Hashgraph every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Add it to your calendar. We do this every week. Share it around. The more, the merrier. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community to share your insights, ask questions, invite new friends. Um, again, that's also linked in the thread pinned to the top of the spaces here. Um, and... If you'd like to see the growth of the show and support that, feel free to send an HBAR donation to enthusiast.hbar brought to you by listeners like you. I appreciate everyone tuning in and I'll see you next Sunday. Again, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You can check out the rest of my stuff on itsbrandond.com. And as usual, I'm going to leave this spaces open for a few more moments so everyone can follow each other. If you see somebody you don't recognize, follow them, right? If you see someone you do recognize, 
you know, tap their profile, see what they've been up to, reach out, say hello, stay connected. That's what this is all about. Everybody knows something that you need to know. Let's share the knowledge. And with that, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, hello, future. Goodbye, past. <laughs>